This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Turn my back to the wind to catch my breath before I start again. Driven on without a moment to spend to pass an evening with a drink and a friend. Time stands still. All we are is dust in the wind. No, that's Kansas. This is Rush. Time stands still. Featuring Amy Mann on vocals as well. R.I.P. to the late, great Neil Peart, who passed away yesterday at the age of 67. Rush, big part of my childhood music growing up. And since we are a couple of music geeks here on Shake the Ropes episode 385, I'm Jeff Hawkins. He's Chris Novembrino. Wee, 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 Hey, you know, um, Tom Sawyer, wrestling theme for Carrie Von Eric. As as uh, Mark Lawrence would always say, the modern day warrior, Carrie Von Eric. I, uh, and uh, who's it? Andrew Rich and I talked about that on one of the Music of the Mat episodes. But yeah, no, Rush was my first three concerts. As a kid, Chris. (laughs) Dude, I mean, they are one of the all-time great instrumental bands ever. I I think, you know, for me, what has always been a little bit of a turnoff is Geddy Lee singing just doesn't really do anything for me one way or another. I get that. If you listen to the music, I mean, my God, they're they're incredible. I I love Alec Lifeson's guitar tone, but yeah, we're talking about Neil Peart here. He is so good, man. Tom Sawyer, I've heard him do an interview, uh, you know, obviously the clips were surfacing up here, and he was just talking about Tom Sawyer and how he kind of arranged that drum part to be sufficiently challenging that it would always be difficult for him to play. Hmm. No, that's that's kind of cool. I uh, Look, if, if you were in, in band of any kind, all the drummers idolized Neil Peart, and that's how I kind of ended up going to these concerts you know, and they're, they're awesome live. They were, I especially, you know, I loved the hold my fire, hold your fire tour. Presto was, was impressive. I don't remember a lot about moving pictures because I was very, very young then, but uh, you know, just an awesome experience live. And then I got to college and they came out with roll the bones and get, and they were trying to stay modern. So Getty Lee rapped on a song on the title song. And I was just like, Nope. <laughs> yeah i kind of yeah, checked out yeah, but everything did. before that like all prog rock is such look you can hate progressive rock all you want i understand people hating it i understand people don't like you know the yeses of the world or the boston's or traffic and other but things like, that, that yes Leander. really rocks you but know the you musicianship that, the musicianship yeah, they you also can't rock deny. too yeah. you know like i mean that's the thing is like you listen to that solo section in free will Right, where, where, I mean, Alec Lifeson's really fucking shredding. I'm sorry, pardon my French here, guys. And the band's really grooving. They actually, like, they have a drive to them. They have an actual punch to them that Boston does not. No, like like, yeah. like the uh, like, like the baseline to uh, Fly By Night, I absolutely love. Because Getty is just, he, he's, he's getting more and more momentum as he gets that wow, wow. You know, when he gets there, and he, <laughs> I mean, he he's into it. I, I absolutely adore Rush. And also I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for Alex Lifeson because uh, I remember I got this, it was, it was one of these magazines that uh, record stores always had for free out in the front. And, you know, the cover story I think was Steve Winwood. So I picked up, but I also had Rush. So I dug in Alex Lifeson is discussing this bet he has with someone with another musician in another band about losing weight. And as a, as a chubby kid, I always, Hey man, there's a rock star who struggles with his weight. I'm down with that, but no rush. Any, any, anything prior to roll the bones is absolutely fantastic to me by them. Yeah. Uh, pretty much uh, anything uh, w- moving pictures has Tom Sawyer. And also uh, what's the other song? On I that? think limelight and spirit of radio and uh red bar. Ch- I might be mixing that up. Let me, let me look that up real quick. No, I thought Spirit of Radio. I love is... YYZ too as an instrumental. That's, yeah, uh... no, they, they're they're just they're an awesome band. So if you if you've never taken time to listen to them, they are really wonderful. And Neil Peart, in terms of rock drumming, uh, as 
important as Getty and Alex Lifeson will be kind of as a package deal, the band is really driven historically by Neil Peart. So his loss to brain cancer, um, horrible. And yeah, like just, just a real shame because I think that if, you know, his health hadn't gotten away from him here in the last few years, like he was not, th- that band took the good care of themselves. They, they were not a big party or drinker type. So no, they were they nerds. Still a, they yeah, were they're nerds. nerds. <laughs> no, they had a lot more to give. And I mean, Neil Peart's the type of guy with the brain that he had and his knack for understanding rhythm could have been doing electronic music into his 80s. So you may go, oh, well, he was 67. He probably had, I don't know, 15 more years of productivity in him, to be completely honest. Okay, I was mixing up the sides with the sides for the greatest hits because I'm old and I do that. But uh, no, Neil Peart also wrote a lot of the lyrics. To the song. Yes, yeah, and, yeah he and, was, and he was a pretty of... good. I mean, he was he was hot and cold sometimes. I mean, some of his lyrics, but but there are others that are just brilliant. But here's side. Let me let me put this on sides of albums that are all timers. Side one of moving pictures. Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta, YYZ, or Red Barchetta if you want to do that. YYZ and Limelight. I mean, that's. <laughs> you can't you can't go wrong with all four of those songs in a row. That's I, pretty I, cool. Yeah, that's a- no, they, they they have a place in history. And when I read that headline, I, I was aware that he was not doing well. But man, that hurt. That hurt. I I hate seeing Neil Peart gone gone too soon. So we are into uh, wrestling. We have started. We've gotten off of winter break, as I named the episode last week, uh, and and are on the road to the Royal Rumble. A uh, little bit of cleanup. Bobby Roode returned last night on SmackDown from his suspension, and also uh, good news for my fandom. WWE signed Mercedes Martinez. It's about time one of these two organizations signed her. Yeah, she's 39, but she's awesome. She's I love Mercedes Martinez. She brings a certain sense of viciousness to and and legit fighting to to a women's division. Um good for WWE. I thought they should have signed her a couple years ago. I thought AEW when they made a big deal about her being the wild card in that uh in that women's battle royal was going to sign her. I'm looking forward to her hopefully even transitioning into a trainer position with, with the performance center. Cause I think they need someone of her style uh, helping to train some of these women. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Chris, you still there? Yeah. I, I just don't have a take on Mercedes. Martinez. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have takes on everything. Well, no, I heard static and I was like, oh, is he still there? Um, <laughs> that hurts. So that hurts. Big- I'm more than static. We'll go over NXT Blackpool, NXT UK Takeover Blackpool Two. There's a mouthful to say in a, in a bit. Um, the reckoning. The reckoning. Do we want to start with Rumble stuff, or do we want to start with this Wednesday night thing? All right, let's. I feel like you and I are the hottest about the Wednesday night thing, so let's do it. Let's get into it. AEW was dreadful. I'm gonna say it. I thought AEW was absolutely dreadful, except for the end angle with uh, with Moxley and Jericho, and even that was a little too campy by half, even though it was well performed. Um, AEW had a very nice night against NXT ratings wise, <clears throat> but all this dark. I mean, they went right back to the well for the most part with you know the the brandy stuff, which I think took the show down a bit. The women's division in AEW, not enough is being said about how poorly that's been handled. And I don't think Kenny Omega is getting enough blame for that in some way, since he's the guy who was supposed to be in charge of it. Oh, um, man. Yeah. If, if he's the one in charge of it, whoever is, uh, it's not good. And the nightmare collective stuff is just dreadful. Brandy, even as this heel character, is doing a bad job, and her on commentary is not doing anything. Well, she's hurting this, the people she's trying. Yes. To, I mean, on, on commentary. True. I mean that. I mean, when she's burying people, she. You know, she's not really an alien. I'm like that's a Jeff Hawkins line. That's, a, <laughs> that's not a Brandy Rhodes line. She should be saying on TV. And and there's a general feel, and I don't know if you have this concern like I do. That's a lot like every every old friend of everybody is going to get a payday here because Doctor Luther's being brought in. 
DDP's being brought in. All, all you know, Brandy Rhodes is getting stuff in. I guess Billy Gunn's kid just signed a contract. There's concerns for me. I mean, say what you will about other things like Pentagon Jr. is now a WWE wrestler on an AEW show. Yeah, that has been the weirdest for me is <laughs> I am used to Lucha Underground Pentagon Jr. And even that was a more tame version of the you know South of the Border Pentagon Jr. But this version of Pentagon Jr. is just goofy. This is what he would be like in WWE. And when I was watching the show this week, I was struck with this recurring thought of, so many of the problems that I see on a weekly basis on WWE television that I was really hoping that AEW would be a stark departure from, they are falling right into the same pitfalls. The only difference is they have longer jam band style matches that tend to meander rather than fall into a rope pattern like WWE. WWE has a very sort of strict format and you kind of know where you are in the match. Whereas these matches tend to jam, shall we say, so long that you don't even really know where you're in you are in the match and that is a difference between them but some of the same characterization problems persist on AEW and I was hoping that they would be able to rise above it like for my fandom I'm I I'm a nostalgia geek love nostalgia in some ways you're plugging this show as a Memphis tribute thing and the only thing you had on that TV was Dave Brown for the first match and the rest is going to be on AEW dark and I'm just like well, that was on. weird. Don't don't plug this if you're not if you're just gonna take it away from me. I like Dave Brown. Don't get me wrong. I thought Dave Brown be Dave Brown had that Tony Schiavone sense of wonderment watching the matches, which was kind of cool. But you know, don't plug it like that if it's not going to be that. That that's you know, DDP is not a Memphis legend. Anyway. I, yeah, I just. Uh, this whole the women's match is the thing that really sticks out to me. If yes. you have babyface versus babyface, and Statlander is the athletic alien, if you will, she really should have been running through Riho, and this match should have been booked out differently, such that the Nightmare Collective comes down and interferes in the match pretty early. Having Riho go fifty-fifty with Statlander for an extended period of time actually hurts Statlander, and it doesn't so much help Riho. I <laughs> Riho to me is problematic. It's like rooting for a child. I, I can't do it. I, I just, it's one of those things where Especially I admire- compared to Statlander. She's yes. Stat, the, the size differential is so massive. I, to me, the natural order of things, if they're both baby faces is I think that the bigger baby face should probably prevail over the smaller baby face. Yeah. It's just one of those weird things like her off. Like I, I'll watch, you know, uh, Sheeta all, all day. I love her, but, but but she brings a certain, I mean, with the kendo stick and everything, she, she looks like an athlete. Rio looks like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going too much into cornet territory, so I'm going to bail now before I, I get on, on that stick. NXT on the other hand. Um, and I think they're going to get a bump next week because AEW was not that good. Um, I found the NXT booking, not booking, but just storytelling kind of lazy as in we're going to bring out all these NXT UK people just to plug the Blackpool quote unquote network event, but they're not really saying anything about all these people coming on this TV. You know, they haven't really built up the black and I'm I'm assuming this is going to happen after Blackpool because I think they're going to use that as a launching point to then go into the world's collide network event. And I think there's going to be a lot of chicanery in the booking on NXT Blackpool. But at the same time, you're just like, well, here's Gallus. (laughs) You're like, well, wait a second. You know, you're not really giving me a lot of information about Gallus. You're just, they do a lot of assuming, you know, because you're a WWE fan. And I think that's incorrect. Even with Imperium who have appeared on NXT a few times, there's not a lot of storytelling going on other than they've been running roughshod all over NXT UK. Okay, but we need those promos. We need those vignettes. We need those types of things. And as for the wrestling, I thought it was quite good. But I had a moment of I'm just not a wrestling fan anymore because that Imperium Forgotten Sons match, fun sprint for what it was. 
and much more fun than it should be. But you used a term once on here where, where you described Rube Goldberg contraption style wrestling where everybody has to be in the right place. And then this guy's going to fall over here and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And it's a little bit too perfect for me. That's what this match was for me. It was a little bit too Rube Goldberg where, okay, he's going to get Jackson Riker out while he's doing this. And he's going to trip over the guy that's being pinned. And then the cage is going to fall and the marble's going to go down. And then the mouse is going to be caught. That That's what it was for me. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely appreciated the performance by all four participants yes. in the match. Like, I, I mean, the Forgotten good. Sons. Yes, right. Like, for as down as we have been on the Forgotten Sons, you definitely see Wesley Blake um, and Steve Cutler. They, they've got skill. They're, they're clearly skilled wrestlers. Um, but yes, I actually, I didn't think of Rube Goldberg machine while I was watching the match, but there was that, that, what you just described was what I was experiencing. I wanted to go back to the opening match here because I was... Oh, we're going to go through this whole show. Yeah, think, yeah. Right now, Tony yeah. Storm on the babyface side and Io Shirai on the heel side <laughs> felt really counterproductive. And just, I mean, you can see the audience, They, especially when it comes to Io. If they're not there yet on Tony Storm, so be it. But when it comes to Io, they clearly view her as a babyface. And it's just time to, you know put her on that side of the ledger. I was angry at this segment because of the laziness involved, because this was a SmackDown women's segment from two years ago or last year. Well, Sue Storm also already telling you that she's going to lose coming up here. I don't know lose. I'm coming after your title next. Oh, no, 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 no. She said when she won, because yeah, I know, be but, but the te- that's the telegraph is what I'm saying. Not so sure. Um, oh, you, oh, you think she's going to win the title? Oh, okay. well, let's put it this way. One competitor has Bell's palsy and one has a shoulder injury. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Be. I hadn't really thought about that. Like it, it, things, things have changed over the last week. Yeah, things have changed over the last week to make things interesting. Okay, but, fair point. Fair point. But, all, but it was such a lazy, I'm going to come out and say, I want the belt. I'm going to come out and say, I want the belt. I'm going to come out and say, I want the belt. Let me holla at your player, six-woman tag. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. The what only they- fun part was Bianca Belair saying to Tony Storm, you don't even go here. <laughs> you don't even go here like it's a high school. school like, yes. We're back at NXT high school again. Hey, you don't even go to this school. Lady. You're a transfer student. Don't, don't tell me about school spirit at NXT because you... <laughs> They buzz you over in the morning, but it could have been it could have been something because you had. I mean, if you're going to do the tension story amongst heel people and and things like that, and even I, I actually liked the Candace saying, "What are you out here to say? You want to shot the belt?" She just shrugs. Um, <laughs> do the six woman tag, but then add that. Okay, whoever gets the pin, if it's not Rhea Ripley, gets a title shot. And then you can have the things like Io Shirai, you know, tagging in, you know, or Bianca Belair tagging in Io Shirai and people breaking up pins that shouldn't be broken up and stuff like that. Add some stakes to this to make this whole thing make sense because it makes no sense for six women out for themselves to then go, well, we're going to put aside our, you know, there's no honor among thieves and all these people were thieves. Right, right. There's only one title for them all to ultimately be scrapping for here. And so, especially Io Shirai, who, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I just I don't get crazy. It. Look at me. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, she's crazy, but she wants the belt. She wants to be champion. That's why she went crazy. Like that, that was the prompt. That was the catalyst. I, <laughs> she only gets crazy when her music hits too. That's also true. <laughs> Otherwise she's kind of like bored or yeah, like has swagger elsewise. It's not yeah. total craziness. She has those sad eyes, and I just go, "Oh, this is no, I shouldn't be watching this," because <laughs> she's she's she like she has the hangdog. Who else has this? Look? Oh, we've we've been over this. Bailey and Dakota Kai both have that look as well. Occasionally, you're just like, "Nope, <laughs> womp womp." I'm sad. Somebody took my doll. Yeah, I I mean, and like I said, the match was too clever by half because if you're actually yes. going to work for a six six woman tag you're all should be working together there's no reason to turn on each other uh, right if there's no stakes yes. involved yeah, in there, the turning there's a big the problem with wwe especially when they get into these matches they get really preoccupied with the 
what's going to happen before the match and what's going to happen after the match and don't really think about what's the story we're trying to tell during the match. Right. Austin Theory versus Joaquin Wilde. We're building up Austin Theory. As a person who's not super familiar with his work on the independents, I have no attachment to this guy at this point. I, I think that they have not done a great job kind of connecting the hearts of the fans with this guy, with maybe a promo package or something. Something to start getting the characterization around this dude. Again, there's an assumption that we watched either the Christmas or the New Year's show. I forget which one he right. was on. Yeah, I think was... yeah, that they mentioned that. They said the Christmas show, I think. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Okay. Because I did not watch it. I was nope. traveling at the time. I, I heard it was a good match. I think they need they need an Evolve package with him as the champion and doing a highlight reel of that before introducing him here. And then even with DJ Z, the Joaquin Wild, it's like, oh yeah, he was in that uh, he was in that tournament where everybody changed their names, and uh, we eventually had to release the winner because he went uh, he went angry on us. <laughs> it's like, hey, remember him from that tournament? That's from three that's going to be the memory hole tournament. We're never going to yeah. talk about that tournament ever again. <laughs> remember Alf? He's back in Pog form. Um, it's like, no, I don't remember DJ Z in this tournament because I think you had him lose in the first round and and it's like, no, I don't remember. I don't remember this guy. I don't remember Austin theory from two weeks ago. Give me some promo packages as to why I should care other than this is going to be a good match with lots of high flying and stuff like that. It's like, okay, great. But I want to hear from the guy. I want to hear why I should care either positively or negatively about Austin theory I thought I thought Walking Wild was kind of a goof, to be honest with you. Doing yes, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the weird doing the air horn, the air horn call before the thing. You know, oh, that was funny when he this. was DJ Z, but no one wah, understands wah, wah, that. You know, no yeah. one understands that reference. It was great yeah. when he was doing the DJ Z gimmick, though. Yeah, he's not a DJ right now, so don't make him go out there with all the bells and whistles. Unless you're gonna, unless you're gonna give me a promo package where he's DJing and then he comes out as Walking Wild. It's just, it was such a lack of care on their part. And well, it was so nonchalant. That's a perfect way of putting it. They they yeah. just didn't have interest in telling the story. And so I think you frame this whole episode as a little bit lazy. Like, this was a lazy story. I liked the main event, Undisputed Era versus Gallus. Pointless match, no stakes here, but I like Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and I like Gallus, and I think they're fun. All right. Here is my issue with with the end of this match. I I liked it. I don't mind Gallus going up. Number one... (laughs) Number one, we need to tell these people in the audience that Gallus are baby faces now in NXT UK because they were seen as heels here a little bit too much. Yeah, because it's the Undisputed Era is generally loved by that NXT. They have that horse. They have that horseman energy where you yeah, they're, they're heels, but you still love them. Number two, since we're using this whole thing as plugging for NXT Blackpool UK Takeover to Electric Boogaloo, whatever words you want to add to it where is uh where is joe coffee to help his guys <laughs> knowing that they're going into a four on two beating you know that that's because uh, he's the guy going after the the main event title and he's in the main event let's have the main event guy out there as a plug as opposed to and he makes the big save because that's yes. actually that's actually a good way of setting him up for his match with walter yes I, I was just like, okay, you can have Eichner and, and Bartel out there by themselves. That's fine because they could take, they were taking care of Jackson Riker the entire time. They didn't need a save from Walter to take out Jackson Riker, but these two Gallus kids just got, just got worked by the, by the undisputed era and need a little bit of help where, where, I mean, if this dusty, if this dusty tag team tournament is that important, for you know the prestige and maybe a title shot later or maybe just the money or whatever you're gonna do everything you can to win these first round matches including bringing your guy over 
to, to help make saves and make things even and things like that. It just, it makes too much sense to have him there from both storyline and marketing reasons. And he wasn't there. And I just couldn't believe that. Yeah, that was, especially since they wanted to use this NXT in some ways as a go-home show for Blackpool to the bloodening. <laughs> the quickening. <laughs> um, yeah, um, the other thing on this show of note, the, the Matt Riddle promo as to why he and and Pete Dunne are a tag team. Chris, I had a lot of fears when Matt Riddle signed with WWE that... Vince McMahon would meet him once and go, he's Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He's going to be a stoner, Rob Van Dam, upper mid-card guy who, you know, is seen as treated kind of poorly by the main roster. I think this promo did more for Matt Riddle than any promo Matt Riddle has ever cut on NXT television. This was clever. I actually think that this was great and very in character where, yeah, obviously Matt Riddle's character is that he smokes a lot of pot. But the, but the trick here is that he's oblivious and just thinks the best of everybody. And he managed to get that over in Matt Riddle language where you can tell that at some point it's going to be made clear that him and Pete Dunne are not actually on the same page. I like well, going it. To the, go to the behind the scenes part of this because uh, you you were first to it out of the two of us. So I guess somebody had written a version of this promo and gave it to Matt Riddle, and Matt Riddle was like, "No, I'll, I'll do that version, but I have an idea for how we can do this promo," and that's the one they ended up keeping. And Triple H, I guess, had a hand in keeping this promo, so I think he's. He's also on the right track here. It, they finally found an interesting wrinkle in the Matt Riddle character. Um, and I think a lot of it does have to do with things happening around him and how he reacts to it. But he he gets how to characterize this guy. Well, you remember in, in August or September or around there where he was on a... I mean, it was before the Survivor Series stuff, but I don't believe it was... It might have been before the the takeover SummerSlam. They're kind of doing this thing where, yeah, he's an easygoing guy, but occasionally he'd show this certain viciousness in there, and we thought he was turning heel. I think this might be a reboot of that kind of thing, except they're not going to turn him heel. They're just going to make that easygoing thing part of the character until he snaps. And I think he might snap on Pete Dunne at some oh, see, point. Oh, see, this. I think, yeah, I think what will make him snap on Pete Dunne is when Pete Dunne... He's going to do that shrug, and Matt Riddle's just going to go off on him. No, I think it's going the other way. I think oh, history really? is going to repeat itself, and instead of Pete Dunne being betrayed by Roderick Strong, this time Pete Dunne's going to be the betrayer on Matt Riddle. But... Yeah, eventually Matt Riddle will snap during the process of that feud on Although Pete there's gonna there's gonna be at least one match where where they win. They're gonna give him a yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, right. No, no, I, and, gonna, I think this is and, gonna parallel the Roderick Strong Pete Dunn angle, like almost but, to a T. Only this time it's gonna be Pete Dunn doing the backstabbing. No, I'm going to the visual more more than the win part. They're gonna do the win and, and Dunn's gonna do the shrug. And Riddle's going to do the, hey, man, that was cool kind of look with, with his arms out, like, whatever, shrug, whatever, shrug, because that's, that's, that's the camp of WWE, and you know they're going to do that. But, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Um, no, it'll be fun. I, I, I'm actually excited for this part of the story in this tournament. To gloss over the main roster a bit more, um, big thing wait, 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 on Hold Ra- on, hold oh. on. Mia Yim versus Caden Carter. They continue to do absolutely bizarre things to try to push Caden Carter. They at once want to place an increased focus on Caden Carter. And yet... She loses! She she keeps getting put in these matches that do not help her at all. What are... I I just... I want to... The artist formerly known as Lacey Lane got a name change to then come out and lose every week. I just... And 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 let me ask you this: Did you think Mia Yim was going to knock her out when she put her up instead of hugging her? Yes, yes. I thought that that actually like was going to start up something, and the hug did nothing for her. So I, it was even weirder when she hugged her. 
Yes. Unless you're going to do this thing where Lacey Lane eventually turns on Mia Yim, which I hope they don't do because she's such a likable because both are so likable in their own way. Yeah. This goes into my, this actually goes into my main roster point. There's a lot of weirdness going on on the WWE main roster that I just, the Drew, did you see the Drew McIntyre thing? Yes. Oh man, that was also really weird. I completely agree. I, it's that's such a-, a Heyman move to have a guy like No Way Jose come out, do his shtick for the kids, which is pure WWE, the No Way Jose dancing thing, and get beat by a guy. And it's a baby face move. Yeah, and, and then Drew McIntyre cuts this promo, and he's this, funny and compelling, this, and it's as though he didn't just bully all these non-wrestlers. And like, this was Drew McIntyre, top hat and cane. Look at me, I'm entertaining. Waka, waka, waka. Even at the stuff. end of the match, the whole way he counts down the Claymore Three, two, kick. one. What yes. the F was that? I, <laughs> what? I know, dude. Uh, that was such weird energy. I, I'm watching this and going, okay, this is, it's so, it, at the same time, it's weird for Drew, it's weird for WWE, because I think the assumption is people view No Way Jose as unbearable, and I don't think they've gotten that over to the audience to the point where you can have Drew McIntyre, who's been... I was back in the locker room and nobody's taking the brass ring, you know, type oh, and, of... and everyone tries to be a clown. And then what does Drew McIntyre do? He comes out and hams it up. Yes. <laughs> it's like he's been serious this whole time. And now he's here to show his effervescent personality. And then he cuts the promo like, about what? how he's been getting screwed. Yeah, no, there's just like so many different <laughs> themes happening in that the match is uh, one minute and 45 seconds. His promo is maybe another two and change. And we go in just so many different directions. Uh, yeah, I, I really, was, really I was, flummoxed by this. I was crying going, am I being gaslit here? What is going on with this? Because between this and the ending or the, the, the Rusev segment, which, dude, I died. I go, hey. Bob Lashley, it's me, Rusev, from Rusev Day. And I just, I died at Rusev's delivery of that. I was kind of hoping Aiden English would come out and we'd have Rusev Day again. But then it just turned on this kind of weird misogynistic part with with Lashley telling Lana to shut up. And then everybody got all dark. No. Uh, And that became a, it became Vince McMahon bingo with, I'm going to decimate you. And and I'm just like, my God. You will see why they call me the Bulgarian brute. You will see why they call me the Bulgarian brute. And, and just, but so for example here, if, if Rusev doesn't care anymore, then why does this feud persist? And if if the answer is because he still cares, what is it actually telling us about Rusev? Yeah, and then there's Liv Morgan's insertion into this. Well, I'm going to go down there, even though Rusev doesn't care, and be in his corner. You have Charlie Caruso all night finally being an investigative reporter, getting scoops and following people after they say they're going to do something. Man, you're outdoor <laughs> of reuniting Rusev Day, or at least reuniting Aiden English and Rusev, with Aiden just being Rusev's friend to help him get his mojo back as the newfound single dude. That is a much more interesting angle than any of this Liv Morgan stuff. Like I, mean, I said, it's weird. Fa- fantasy booking sometimes better than reality, but... Just that whole Raw show was... Uh, and then you had the big show's return. I thought that the Authors of Pain needed to absolutely obliterate the big show because I loved this match, idea. I loved this idea. This match me. going long was needless, and I don't think it helped the authors. I, I think we need to get the authors over to this audience that the reason Seth has sided with them is because they are the new dominant tag team. And you have Big Show come out. There's... Goodwill towards him. He's high-fiving everyone. You had commentary putting him over as, oh, he looks great. And you have Kevin Owens, and he's in the ring with Samoa Joe, and they're standing behind Big Show, and Big Show's like, I'm here, I'm back. I'm ready to set the standard here because I'm the biggest guy in this ring. And you just have the authors annihilate him. 
And that puts the baby faces at a disadvantage rather than having them wrestle this match where they appear to yeah, be as, as at a movie the motif advantage I, I, throughout I'm the match. You have to do all these things good, to bad kind of movies. move the pieces and around the me, board to make it look been, like the heel team never has seen the an quick advantage. And the dead with Sharon Stone, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman. Keith David plays this awesome role as a union general who's become a, a, a higher a gunfighter for hire. And he's in the town and he's paid whatever's left by the townspeople to take out Gene Hackman. And he comes out all prim and proper and badass. And Hackman just, just shoots him right through the head. <laughs> it's just, it's awesome. And you're like, that's what should have happened to big show because the longer that stare down went and the longer the match went on, I was certain big show was turning. And I think they're still going to turn him. I think he lost this match and it's going to be big show needs his mojo back. So they're just going to turn him anyways. And it, and it's like one of those things where, yeah, use him to get over the authors of pain versus having him as a legitimate character. Cause they built him up through the show as the mystery and yep, I'm good. And it's like, if you're not immediately turning him, you should immediately destroy him. And I thought that, yeah, no, I loved your idea on that because the authors are paying. The focus of the match needed to be on the authors. Because they need it. Like, that is the story that needed They're to be They're the told. heavies. They need to be built up as heavies, and they just destroy them and say, your gunfighter is dead. Old news. Yeah. I. And Seth basically is just sitting on the turnbuckle watching the authors have a tag team match against Kevin Owens and Samoa mm-hmm. Joe, and Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe are holding their own, but Seth isn't even getting his hands dirty. The other big news was at the beginning of Raw um, for your Royal Rumble men's match. Oh, (laughs) sorry. I had a secondary Brock Lesnar. I had a secondary point that I want to make. That's even lesser than Brock Lesnar. But now that I've started the Brock Lesnar point, I'm all in. So I have to do it. Um, Lesnar is going to start as number one. He is not putting the title up for grabs. Just initially, how does this strike you as a hook for the Rumble match? Do you like it or you don't like it? I don't like it because I have Brock fatigue, but I saw a photo of him recently, and he does look to be in great shape, and if he's in good shape and he can go, okay. I just, I think at a certain point, this company needs to start building new stars. And Brock Lesnar occupying the main event picture for the last X amount of years has made it really hard to get over credible stars. It feels like Daniel Bryan and The Fiend are like levels below where Brock Lesnar sits in this pecking I agree, order. but that's not on that's not on uh, Brock. That's on the powers that be to build them because... No, it's not Brock's fault. That's not Brock's fault. I, I, oh, I don't no, lay no. that okay. at his door. He's just a guy trying because to make I, money. I had this- and he's a great wrestler, and, and I love him as a featured attraction on a show. He's obviously a draw. That's not him. That is the management of the company hanging on to a depreciating asset for too long. It's not like Brock's depreciated a ton, but you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, teams need to move on from one franchise player and start building around a new franchise. I agree. I I had a bit of a knockdown drag out and and he and I will go back and forth with fightfuls. Alex Pawlowski, my colleague over there, because he is, he is dying on the Hill that Kofi Kingston was a great champion and they should have never taken the belt off of him. And I am of the opinion that they were never going to make Kofi a great champion because he was just New Day Kofi with a belt. And and yeah, what was the great Kofi Kingston title defense I, match? I know. What 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 does he cite? Well, he's saying he was having good matches and and things of that nature and that the long overdue chance with the title, he was over with the crowd and I understand that argument, but he just never he was never, and this isn't Kofi's fault. It's WWE's fault for how they framed him. No, they just didn't want to present the, yeah, him as like thing. that Tanahashi style. Yeah, he champion. wasn't Tanahashi. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't Okada. He wasn't even Naito. So it just it to me. He and I just have a difference of opinion on this. But that said, I I love Brock. I I kind of like this as a hook for the Rumble. Brock versus all, even though he's. I think he needs to put the title up if that's if that's the case. If you're that arrogant about how confident you are in winning the Rumble, you put the title up 
for the line and say, I'm going to go in number one and I'm going to defeat everybody. But you know who I'm interested in is Drew McIntyre. I think you know, we have someone else later on in the show who actually makes a much more interesting case to why not tell a little bit of the story of the Rumble through this guy. This guy trying to finally get his chance at the title shot, and he's got this new character rebrand, and he is good on the microphone. I I don't know. I think that you could tell a story through Drew McIntyre, and you didn't need to have Brock Lesnar occupy well, the Rumble. He could well, do something else on the card. Well, that brings me to my point. There's only two ways to book this, and Brock probably is not going to win this Rumble then, because there's two ways to do this to me. Um, there's, there's the story you tell where Brock goes in number one, and a bunch of geeks come out like two through five or two through six and Brock just takes care of them all until you get a surprise entrant to come down or someone you don't expect to come down and take out Brock. The other way is Brock comes down. Number one, the guy who's going to eliminate Brock comes down. Number two eliminates Brock. And then you move on with your rumble story. And I think there's only four people you can make the claim for that can take out Brock Lesnar right now. I, I don't think Drew McIntyre is one of them. I think it has to be either Kane Velasquez, uh, Ray Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, or Matt Riddle. And and I think I think they're going to use whoever takes him out to set up that match for Mania. I don't think they're going to do it at the B pay-per-view in between, which I believe is fast lane or elimination chamber. I can't remember which, but I, I just don't see it being a long-term thing to the end of the rumble. And I think it's going to happen fairly quickly. Yeah. We're not doing like the Austin run to the Correct. end of the rumble. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. I see it. You know, I could see even, well, actually I could see them doing something like that where he makes it all the way to the end of the rumble. And then Ray Mysterio or someone is the person who ultimately eliminates him. And that sets up his feud. So you do kind of keep him as a, as a focal point. Throughout yeah. The match. I, I could see that too. I, I, I put Matt Riddle in there because Cain Velasquez has injury issues from time to time with his training. So I could see them. Want, I, I see them wanting that as a super fight on Mania in terms of Kane, but Matt Riddle being the backup. And I could see Kane coming down number two, eliminating Brock, raise number three, and Kane eliminates himself because, you know, of all the goodwill between the two of them. I, I could see that happening too, and that way Kane doesn't get hurt. Yeah, but you don't just macho man yourself out of the rumble you i mean you, like he doesn't he doesn't need if he's number three he doesn't need to leave the ring that like doesn't actually help no, I, I, in ring no psychology. but i was kind of thinking that you know okay i've i've gotten what i want out of this you're the real full-timer here go after go out there and get the belt type of thing i i don't know it's just something i was pondering but i i don't see i don't see them using brock to build up the next guy it's going to be a super match of somebody we already know and it's not going to be the best match we want unless it's, unless it's Matt Riddle who can do the MMA style match with Brock. And then you go, Whoa, there you go. You know, that that's amazing. I can't believe that happened. And then Matt Riddle's made in one night, I think. But um, who do you see that could eliminate Brock other than those four? Maybe Drew. Yeah, other than those four, I think McIntyre's now making an interesting case for himself as being especially since you mentioned that you thought the whole No Way Jose segment was a Paul Heyman sort of idea. I think Riddle's making an interesting, or I'm sorry, uh, McIntyre's making an interesting case for himself, uh, eliminating him. Other than that, I guess other ways I could see Brock being eliminated is all of the monsters in the ring, the Big Show, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar. They all sort of get eliminated at once in a kind of mass elimination event. Okay. Um, anything else from Raw or SmackDown that uh, we missed? That uh, oh, I know what I was going. Um, I loved the Becky Oscar segment. I think Oscar's awesome. I think Oscar yelling Japanese that I don't understand is awesome. And then just her getting knocked out was kind of cool. <laughs> I'm not sure how I felt about Charlotte Flair versus Sarah oh, Logan, God. but I did not. I didn't hate it. It was weird. And I thought Charlotte got too much offense in at the back end, and I think it needed to end in a little bit more of a stalemate with Sarah Logan than Charlotte like kicking dirt in Logan's face. But everything up to kind of 
the overwhelming part of the Charlotte comeback was actually kind of interesting and fit Sarah Logan's character. It was more interesting than the standard WWE in between the in between the ropes three minute four minute match. That on they a like weird night, this was the third most weird thing on there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, NXT UK Blackpool. Let me get this right. NXT UK Takeover colon Blackpool Two taking place tomorrow slash tonight in the UK on the WWE Network. We're going to go through these five matches that are officially announced on the on the wiki. Uh, see what they do. My opinion is this will be a storytelling show to set up a lot about worlds collide on, on the main roster of NXT and, but you'll have some good matches in here. Singles match, Tyler Bate taking on Jordan Devlin. Chris, how do you see this? I think that Tyler Bate gets the win over Jordan Devlin. I like Jordan Devlin. I think I would like to see more interesting things, upper card things done with Jordan Devlin. But right now, I think the plan is to heat up Tyler Bate for another feud with Walter. I think this match is going to steal the show. I think this match is going to be three ways of awesomeness. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think I think you're right, though. I think Tyler Bate is the next guy for Walter um, at the NXT takeover for WrestleMania. Or is there one? I think there is. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, yeah, there, there's at least an NXT takeover. Or for WrestleMania I, I itself. They may just put that yeah, match on WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I see Tyler Bate winning this, but I think I think this is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Jordan Devlin has just been spectacular. Um, it will not be it will not be a beatdown of Jordan Devlin at all. Um, but it would not shock me either if Jordan Devlin pulls this out. Yes, there's another way I could see this going where Devlin wins the match and there's a little weird begrudging moment of respect between Bate and Devlin because you're going to have Devlin going up against Imperium here. Trent Seven, the other half of Mustache Mountain, taking on Eddie Dennis in a singles match. Uh, (laughs) We have been a bit hard on Eddie Dennis uh, from time to time. But I think Eddie Dennis has to win this one. I think he has to beat down Trent. I think he has to win yeah. this one. I don't know that he's going to, but I think he has to. I, I think that he has to cheat. He'll have to you know, do something to screw over Trent Seven. I don't think they're going to give him a clean yeah, win here. That would be the move. The move would be to give him a clean win, but especially since the top champion is uh, is a heel right now, I don't see them, you know, kind of moving Eddie Dennis up to challenge whoever the no. champion would be. So yeah, I think I think he beats seven and the feud continues. I, I think it's a cheating win. I, I definitely do. I, I I see this whole feud has been built up as Trent Seven as the heart and soul of NXT UK, and Eddie Dennis as the as the wronged member of the roster. I'm I'm partial to agree with you that unfortunately this feud continues. But I think Eddie Dennis wins by not clean measures. Um, maybe he gets an ally. Maybe he doesn't. But I, I just don't see him winning clean here over Trent Seven. Yeah, yeah. This this match continues. For the NXT, U- for the NXT UK Women's Championship, Kaylee Ray, the champion, who is awesome, taking on Tony Storm and Piper Niven. Uh, as as said before, Piper Niven has revealed that she has Bell's palsy. And Kaylee Ray apparently injured her shoulder on Wednesday, or at least tweaked it on a uh, belly to back. And you can just see it in the slow-mo that she is in pain when she lands on the shoulder. Uh, Chris, how do you see this triple threat going? Keeping in mind that the NXT Women's Championship, there will probably be a super fight with Rhea Ripley on Worlds Collide. That is interesting. Um, so I think it's got to stay on one of the two heels here. <laughs> oh, you've turned Tony's heel, have you? Tony has been cutting heel I promos. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and Piper's not a heel. So who so, do you have? I mean, I, I'm going to say your instincts are right, and they're going to do the belt change onto Tony Storm here so that you have Tony versus Rhea. Um, although I think... There is a case that they could keep it on Kaylee Ray, but I don't think they trust Kaylee Ray to be fully over on this World's Collide show. 
and they think that Tony Storm is more likely to be connected with that audience. I agree. I think Tony Storm's winning this. I think, you know, my I, I, I would hope Kaylee Ray would retain it because I think she's better on promos and cutting heel promos on Rhea Ripley. But I think the the temptation to do first UK women's champion versus second UK women's champion is far too much. I think the super fight aspect, I think bringing up the history on the Wednesday promo where Rhea Ripley's never beaten Tony storm is way too much for them to not put this belt back on Tony a little too soon in my opinion, but to build that up for uh, two weeks for the super fight at rumble. Yeah, I agree. I think Tony storm wins this. And what's going to be a barn burner, a fatal four-way tag team ladder match for the NXT UK Tag Team Championship. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang of Gallus taking on the Imperium team of Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, taking on the grizzled young veterans of Zach Gibson and James Drake, taking on Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Guarantees in this match, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster are going through ladders. For our sins, they are going to be killing themselves doing aerial feats of dynamicism, if that's a word. I don't know if it is. And I I assume Wolfgang is probably going through a lot of stuff as well, uh, just because he's big. Chris, who takes down the titles at the end of the night? I think at the end of the night, Imperium has the titles. And that the the story coming out... Retain? They're not the... It's Gallus. <laughs> I, too, am also intrigued by that. I I, I am... Uh, I am partial to, use, to, to your choice here. I see about a 10% chance that the Grizzled Young Veterans retain to keep their heat in the Dusty Tournament of some kind. Oh, they're not? The, that's right, it's Gallus. Oh, crap. I forgot about that. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Hawkins. Um, no, I, I I see a small chance that Gibson and Drake, so they come out and cut a nasty promo on the NXT full sale crowd. But yeah, I see Imperium winning this. And finally, I, I love, I mean, look, we've loved this team of Bartel and Eichner for a long, long time. They deserve a title run here. I think this is going to be it. And I think you're right. It's to build up uh it's to build up worlds collide and the and the and the running story of uh, undisputed era versus uh, Imperium. I think this match is going to be a train wreck, but it's going to be that kind of cool train wreck where you see a lot of stunt bumps and things that are awesome. Um, but yeah, and then finally, Walter the champion versus Joe Coffey. I'll go first here. I think this is easy. I think Walter is gonna gonna take this, but I think they're gonna really really build up Joe coffee here as opposed to the last match. This match may overstay its welcome to the point that they're trying to keep Joe coffee strong. And then after the match, I think we get a special appearance by the aforementioned undisputed era beating down Walter. What do you think? The lights go out. The lights go out. Maybe, maybe we see Finn Balor beating up Joe coffee and then the undisputed era come out and beat up, uh, beat up Walter. But I, I see, I see it as the undisputed era ending the night, standing over Imperium as, as a plug for Worlds Collide. Yeah, yeah, and I do think that the other part of the story coming out of this pay per view has to be setting the table for the Gallus redemption. That they all are going to come up short here on this night. And there needs to be some sort of plan of how they're going to redeem themselves after this loss. Do you? Know, you? The, the, what? I'm I'm fascinated by this because I saw it as they lose and then they decide to go back heel and they blame Ilya Dragunov. Interesting, but where does Ilya fall into the picture here? You know maybe, what I'm saying? Maybe he, like, maybe he yeah. wasn't there to help. Maybe he didn't come out yeah, to help I, them or I something. Mean, maybe, may, maybe, yes. They, they could go back heel or whatever, and, and they might not revisit this. But I'm, I'm fascinated I, by your story. You know, you know, connect the dots for me. So, like, obviously, Imperium's going to feud with the Undisputed Era, but at some point, you're going to you know blow that off, and I, I don't. It might not even go beyond Worlds Collide, but 
if Imperium has all of the belts and Gallus has this framing of, oh, this is our kingdom, and they're the one. They're the underdogs in all of these scenarios. They've been the underdogs in the numbers where they have to get hired guns like Ilya Dragunov or whatever. Like, I just, I think that they play as sympathetic baby faces on this brand when paired up against Imperium. Your want is to cheer them. And and I don't, I also don't think that there's, uh, you know, a massive need for them as the mid-card faction at this point. I think that what you need is actually kind of like a weird under undercard babyface faction to replace Mustache Mountain that is no longer there. Gallus is actually fitting that bill. Okay. No, that, that's, that's perfectly fine. I think it's going to be a fun card. I don't know if it's going to be a must-watch. I don't know how much is going to be watched in, in the States, given I think it's going up against a playoff game. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking very much forward to it. Uh, anything else in WWE or AEW that, uh, that we missed that you think you want right. to talk about the fiend Daniel Bryan? Not really. I don't care. How don't about care. John Morrison returning? I actually like them as heels. I, I like that. You move. do you, you, you want, you want, oh, Ryan. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's. Look, they're not. I just they're wanted not, the Miz to be like a act. more serious, sympathetic veteran babyface, like a guy okay. who's like, "I'm a parent now, and I, I've got to stop running around in the goofy yeah, leather the, all the time." Um, well, like he does that sometimes, but you know, just the character if you're gonna, development it went way, yes. it went way heel way too quick. It did because now Kofi's coming out and saying, "You suck." Because right, tried to and, and they him. needed to do that. They needed to have Kofi say you suck because they need to signal to the audience you're supposed to hate this guy because they're turning him too quickly. Yeah, I thought so. And I, I thought, you know, I, I'm... <laughs> you know I like Aunt Pam. And you know I like Sasha. And you know I like Lacey Evans. I just Lacey don't know Evans' I... entrance now is, is ridiculous. in the... Another weird choice. It was, it, you know, and and if you did, you see the social media thing with her and the chicken. No. Oh God, my goodness! What? No, that she's down home on the farm carrying a chicken and stuff, and it's just like it's it's. Yeah, I don't. I'm I I can't. I, I let's not go into. It. Let's just end the show. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show. At sh- Shake Them Ropes, you can follow Voices of Wrestling at Voices Wrestling. We are a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network shows for all your wrestling needs. If you were into Wrestle Kingdom, they got they got two just on New Japan. You got Wrestling Omakaze and you got the flagship all covering those needs. You have an AEW show. You have a Wednesday night war show coming from a neutral perspective. You have us kind of coming from a WWE centric perspective. One may argue you have music of the mat. You have the five-star match game. I don't think I missed any other shows on the network, but I tried to give everybody a plug there. Chris, we'll plug some of your vanity projects. What's going on with you? Ah, don't worry. TV is always going on with me, Hawkins, and you can find that on uh, iTunes. You can find that on Stitcher. Don't worry. TV is the homepage. Don't worry about the government's name of the show, and you can find us at DWATG on Twitter. So go and check out all of those wonderful things. You can find me at Chris Novembrino. The All in the Family podcast is on hiatus for the time being. It'll be back at some point. <laughs> You've given I up just, the ghost, have you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, look, I, honestly, I need to pare down something. And um, let's just say that Don't Worry About the Government was not on the chopping block, but one of my other shows, I think, was on the chopping block here. And the decision has been made for the time being. But, um, hey, you should go to our Patreon and support our Patreon. Uh, do, did you plug that, Hawkins? We haven't updated the Patreon yet, so no, I haven't. But that's patreon.com slash shake them ropes. There's also a there's also a button on Redbubble where our show is. I believe that's the name of it, or Red Circle. Like, oh God, Jeff, you're screwing this up so bad. Where you can just donate to the show if that's what you wanted to do. I think I'll start plugging that in the next few weeks once I get my act together because neither Chris nor I have time to make additional content. So, but if you do want to give a throw us a tip, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We barely have time to make this content. Our, our old episodes are up there. A lot of them are really, really good. Um, once, once we kill this thing, I'll probably just put those up for free at some point, but until that point, we want you to pay for them. Um, yeah. And as always going into 2020 here, 
It's going to be an interesting year for Graps. We thank you for your patronage, and we hope you'll continue to listen to us here at Shake Them Ropes. Bye.